happening? Good morning. Nice to see you. <laughs> to see you nice. All right. <laughs> John, I think you better take over. Us. <laughs> We're trying to be serious. You know, it's very important to be serious on Sundays, isn't it? No. Why not? Because it's about joy. It's about Jesus, what he's done. Isn't it? What Kay said, just fantastic, isn't it? If it wasn't for him, we would be absolutely lost. I nearly said it. Paxode, wouldn't we? Oh, Jesus. Jesus, we want to thank you so much for your incredible sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, that you died and the Father raised you from the dead and that we are now your children and that we are now your people and that we're not orphans, but you have given us your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Oh, the door's open. I'm going to shut it, which is very relevant for later, actually. <laughs> and Father, we pray for those young people. Lord, may they be increase, increase. Father, give us more young people in the church. Give us more children. Give us the helpers and the workers. May they be filled with your spirit. They are the church of today, and they are the church of tomorrow. May I be a good example to them, Father. Hallelujah. Ooh, I mustn't st- I've got to be very disciplined today. <laughs> so we're, we're in the land of miracles. Um, for those visiting, lovely to see you. Welcome. Enjoy. And uh, we're doing a series called Real Faith, and we're on number five already. We're racing through, and we're looking today at the story of Noah. Now, um, because Steve's not here, I can say what I like. And um, it's funny when the preaching rotor comes round that David gets one verse on Cain and Abel, uh, Steve gets one verse on Enoch, and I get five chapters. Um, so I thought I was healed of learning to read. Um, and I think I've, I've had to uh, just really prove that. But um, very exciting looking at God's word. And we're going to go through Hebrews 11. But one of the things I'd just like to point out is towards the end of Hebrews 11, it does tell you about the sticky end of some of the people who had faith. They believed God, and yet some were sawn into, some went around. They really had a hard time. They had a, a really difficult time. And I've just, I just been feeling over the last two or three weeks, we need to be very careful that we don't live in a kind of a victorious Christian experience. And yet, in reality, we're struggling and having quite a hard time. You know, Jesus really understands. We, we can be people of faith, but it doesn't mean to say in the world's eyes that everything's tickety-blue and we're all sort of going along happily. We can be people of faith because faith pleases God. And we won't always see the outcomes, but faith pleases God. Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda. He went through and he found one person who didn't even really want to get healed. And he healed them. And he left the others. Other times it said he healed everybody. I don't know why. He's God. He's God. God is sovereign. I just kept writing that in my notes. Whatever it is, God is sovereign. He passionately loves you. As Kay was saying this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, today is the day he died for you. He has paid the price that you can come into a new relationship with Jesus Christ and have power to live this life and lots of fun and games after we go into the next life. It is about Jesus. It is about Jesus. But God is sovereign. So we'll unpack that one later on. and I'm hoping that I won't get that one to preach on. So Noah. So much to say about Noah. I'm going to be extremely disciplined. So we're moving in miracles and signs and wonders this morning. And uh, I'm going to be very disciplined. And I'm just going to look at Noah from the view of faith and uh, the faith Noah had and um, how that can apply to us. 
And I've got some quite challenging things which I want to say to us, not to you, but to us. I've been very challenged as I was preparing. I had a sense that God wanted to take me one way, and as I spent time, I've realised he wanted to take me in a slightly different um, direction. So this is to be weighed. This is not the word, do it. This is to weigh in your heart, talk to cell groups, chat to John and David, bounce around, but there's nothing scary, so don't, uh, John, so don't panic. But... um, Let me first just read you Hebrews 11, verse 7. I'm going to read it from three versions, and then we're going to spend lots of time in Genesis. So uh, the NIV says, By faith, Noah, when warned about the things as yet unseen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. RSV says this, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, took heed and constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which comes by faith. Then my favourite, American Standard. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So that's what Hebrews gives us. It gives us one verse. Now, many of us know the story of Noah. We did it in in Sunday school, Um, some excellent Sunday schools and some not-so-excellent Sunday schools. And um, I'm very keen to read quite a lot of the word because part of the challenge I've got this morning is the Bible actually doesn't say what we think it says. And uh, this will be for folks to discuss during cell groups. So I'm going to dive around. You might be more comfortable listening, um, but I'm just going to shout out the verses for sake of time. So we're in Genesis 5 and verse 30, 28. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labour and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Then 32. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Sham, Ham and Japheth. Then down to 6.5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he has made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Awful. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Now this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for this earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make for yourself an ark of cypress wood, 
make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. 17. I am going to bring flood waters on the earth and destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that, hit, that has breath in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and with your sons and with your wife and your sons and your wives with you. You are to bring them into the ark. Did I get that wrong? Yeah. I need a bit. If anyone's got an old big print NIV they'd like to sell. Seriously, I'm really interested because my eyes are getting stronger every day. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird and of every kind of animal and every kind of creature that creeps along the ground will come and with you and be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away for food for you and for them. Here we go. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Fantastic, isn't it? The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate. And also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now I will send rain on the earth for forty days and forty nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Getting a picture about real faith? <laughs> Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Now we go down to 16. The animals going in were male and female, every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. Well, it says in many versions, then the Lord shut the door behind him. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the surface of the, of the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. 22. Everything on dry land that had breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for a hundred and fifty days. But God hmm, remembered Noah. And all the wild animals and the livestock were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed, and the rain stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the water had gone down. Then at that point, he opens a window. He sends out a raven. We know ravens live on what's rotting, so the raven didn't come back. He then sent a dove. The dove came back. He waited seven days. He sent the dove again. The dove came back with an olive branch. Seven days later, he sent that. I'm spitting right here. Getting very anointed in the front, though, aren't you, Gloria? Seven days later, he sent the dove, and it didn't come back. So now we go down to 18, 8, verse 13. 
But the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, happy birthday to you, the water had dried from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife, your sons and their wives, bring out every kind of living thing that is with you. The birds, the animals and all creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number. Then we go down to 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all creatures that I have done. Then we hop down to 9 verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And uh, then God reestablishes his covenant with Noah and we get the rainbow, which I'm not going to touch on today because of time. Now we go down to 9 verse 20. It gets quite interesting now. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of the wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it across their shoulders and walked backwards and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so they would not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke... From the wine, he found out, or in versions it says, he knew what his youngest son had done. Then he cursed Ham, and he cursed his generations, his sons, and he blessed the two sons who had done the righteous thing. And he went on to live a further 350 years, and and totally lived 950 years. It's good, isn't it? Is that good? So Noah in a life, Noah in a nutshell. He was righteous. He knew God. He led his family, even though he had a dodgy son. Okay. He planned for future sacrifice and offerings. He always stayed faithful. He never ran ahead of God. He tested things out when God was supposedly silent. He only moved as God spoke and directed. He made worship his priority and he moved on after the flood and didn't reminisce about building another boat. But he went on to tilling, planting and multiplying. So that's it. We can all go home now. But, <laughs> but there's, there's some things that came out of that which, which I have to say have really laid quite, quite strongly um, within me. And I just sort of sense, sense it something that I'd like to just share Um, with us as as friends and as part of God's body. So we want to look at examples of real real faith in the life of Noah. Now Noah said, God said to Noah, build an ark. So he did. Noah didn't say, well, why why, why an ark? I mean, a bit dry. Why not? No. God said it. Noah did it. You know, friends, if God says it, do it. (laughs) Quite easy. A bit like Jamie with cooking. You just chop it up and chuck it in. If God says it, 
do it. Now, of course, that needs to be weighed and, and all of those things. But the principle is, when God speaks, let's act on what he says. He'll fill in the gaps later. Many of us have got testimonies where we sense God say things to us. We weighed it with people we trusted. We, we bounced it off the leadership. And they go, well, yeah, go for it. Seems weird. And then down the line, it seems to slot into place. So if God speaks, do it. Why could Noah step out? Because he was in relationship with God. He knew his God. He was right, despite all the rubbish that was going on, he knew his God. So he was in relationship. You know the wood, the cypress with the gopher wood? Where did he get it? Any ideas? Who paid for it? Any ideas? You've got a big lump of savings. You've got a couple of spare houses. You've got three cars. Maybe, without knowing it, you're, you're going to be providing for others in the future. Maybe God is going to use that resource for you to resource the kingdom of God. I don't know. Interesting one, isn't it? I was quite challenged when I saw that. I thought, Lord, you're not looking in my Halifax book. I need that as my security. I know Jesus is my security, but my Halifax book is my security. But I'll pretend that you're my... If we're going to grow, it's going to cost. Um, the financial cost, I think, is the easy part. The inside cost is more, and I'm coming to that one towards the end. See, real faith is based on God's word. Check out this. Check out the Bible, because this is the truth. You know, the, the children's stories and so forth, many of, some of which we were told, one or two maybe of which we were told, are unbiblical. And we've got to be careful that we don't bring that into our adult life. Because the animals went into the ark two by... Yes, they did, and no, they didn't. Seven by seven. So if you march and say, the animals went into the ark, seven by seven. I'm sure if we stopped 100 people in Mortimer Street today and we said, you know, you know that, that fairy tale about Noah. How did the animals go? And they go, two by two. No one will say seven by seven because it's been drilled into our head, two by two. It was seven by seven of the clean animals. Why? Because they needed to be sacrificed. Because sacrifice, preparing for sacrifice, is so important. It was an essential part of Noah's relationship with God, was sacrifice. Because it was the only way he could have contact with God through sacrifice. Now, because of Jesus and his sacrifice, we have that open way. We have that curtain torn in two. So, yes, two by two, but also seven by seven. That's what the Bible says. And Mary rode on her donkey to Bethlehem. No, unbiblical. And Jesus was born in a stable. No, unbiblical. Read the book. Some of these things don't matter, but some things do matter. So do check the book. Weigh the word with the word. Don't just pick a verse and, oh, that's nice. Look at the context. Let, I know we covered this last year. And... <laughs> It is my passion, the word of God. The word of God. And let's see what it says and let's live by the word of God. Because if not, especially when we counsel people and as new people come to know Jesus, we can counsel them out of sentiment rather than out of what the word of God said. It's the word that brings life. It's the word that brings strength. It's the word is the ultimate authority of God. And, um, you know... I could give examples, but it probably wouldn't help. But let's not be based on sentiment. Let's be based on the word of God. So real faith is based on God's word. 
Real faith accepts that God is sometimes going to close the door on obedient people. You've been obedient? This, this, I believe this is a word specifically for someone, but I think it's for more than one person. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless. He was a good boy. He did as he told. He loved his family. Dot, 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 dot. He was fine. And God said, go into the ark. So he went into the ark. All of that work, God in the ark, and it was God who shut the door. And, and seriously, do you feel that God has shut the door on you sometimes? He shut the door. And now I'm restricted. And it's dark. And it's smelly. Could be God. You see, when, when we do an act on what God says to us, we don't then go into this wonderful kind of wizard of odds perfection where everything's sort of wonderful. Often when we're obedient to God, we can go into a wilderness. Paul met with Jesus and then went into the wilderness for maybe 11, 14 years. Meet with Jesus, do what he says, and often he'll take us to one side. So if you've been obedient and it's getting a bit dark and it's getting a bit smelly, here's the good news. You're on track. God is with you. Hang on in there. Because he continued to relate to God while he was in the ark. Don't worry. It's God who closed the door. And let's face it, if God hadn't closed the door, it might have got a bit wet. (laughs) And if Noah was thinking, oh, blow this for a game of soldiers, I'm off. He would have jumped out and he would have got very wet. Sometimes God closes the door to protect us. And I'm sure... We haven't got time, but if this was an evening meeting, I'll get two or three people to come up and they go, well, I really wanted to go to Bible school and I was sure it was right. And God said no and I was really upset and I got the ump. And then a week later, my mum was taken ill and I was able to look after her because I hadn't gone. You know, we could all tell stories like that. So if the door is shut, it could be God. (laughs) It's better to be with him where it's dark and smelly than in what the world thinks is great. So... Real faith remembers it's about our relationship with God, not about the circumstances. He continues to sacrifice and he waits on God. Wait and listen. (laughs) Because when you get to chapter chapter 8, verse 1, it said, And God remembered Noah. Did you know that God remembers you? You The person who's already rejected that thought, God remembers you. You, he loves you. He sent his son for you. He died on the cross for you. He wants to live in you by his Holy Spirit. God is for you and not against you. Forty days and forty nights of rain and the deep was opened up, which is a really interesting subject, which I'm not going to go down. Forty days and forty nights. And then there's another 150 days of just floating around. Again, Lord, you said it 40 days and 40 nights. Now I'm just floating around. What is going on? This is ridiculous. You said 40 days and 40 nights, and now I'm floating around. Stay faithful. God knows what he's doing. If you're floating around, continue to sacrifice. Continue to relate to God. Just be in relationship with him. Ultimately, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Knowing him, loving him, being in his presence. But you see, saying that real faith can be tested out. You know, it stopped raining, so he opened the window and he started testing things out. He sent a raven, see what happens. He sent the dove, see what happens. See, God knows that we're built, that we want to understand what's going on. We're built with a desire for knowledge. God understands that. So it's good to test things out. 
Say you're saving up for a brand new car. don't think I've ever done that. Um, you're saving up for a brand new car. So you go down to the garage and you say, I'd like to test a new car. So you drive this new car around. You, you're just testing the car out. You haven't got the money yet, but the plan is that as you've saved up, you'll buy the car. So you test it. You know, if God is calling you to something, test it. Try to chat to John and David. I don't know, I've got this thing on my heart and it's about, mm, and oh, I don't know. Well, test it out. Have a chat. Pray about it. It's okay to test things out. It's not a problem. If we don't test things, we're never going to find new things, are we? But it's all about the heart attitude. If we try and manipulate things to happen, it ain't going to happen. I could tell plenty of stories against myself from two or three decades ago when I tried to make it happen. And you can't. You can't. Noah accepted that his calling was to walk on dry land, but at the minute, that wasn't what God was saying. And we need to have that same attitude. Because eventually Noah was Noah and his family, they were going to get off the boat. Because God had already said, fill the earth, multiply, said that to Adam, and they were part of that covenant. They'd been commissioned to fill the earth, but it's all about timing. If we can get our timing right, as we know, Joseph, I've got these dreams, bang, crash, wallop. Timing wasn't right, but the calling was right. And the stories, well, the Old Testament just gives loads of examples of that. You see, you might have a gift or a calling. Others might recognise that. You might see it in yourself. But unfortunately, there's this horrible word called character, which God wants to work on. He wants to deal with my attitudes, my... Actually, the reason I want to play the piano is I want to have thousands of people say, Oh, Julian, you're wonderful. And we love your music. That's really the reason. God wants to deal with that. So it could be submitted to him. And then when I do the play the piano, people can say, it was nice. I go, thank you very much. But actually, thank you, Lord, that you gave me the ability and uh, that we give glory to him. And he has to deal with our heart. You know, we need firm foundations. God lays things in our heart, but it's going to be him that's going to make, make those come to fruition. And I guarantee if God is calling you to anything, no matter how simple in other people's eyes, there's going to be two things you're going to hit. One, authority. Leadership and authority. There's going to be a smack and it's going to do something in your heart. The second is realising that we're part of a body. We have to love our brothers and sisters. Two of the things that get up people's nose the most. Because actually if it's me and Jesus, it's okay. But once that lot get involved, it all goes wrong. God wants to deal with my heart, and that's had to deal with my heart so much over the years. <laughs> so Noah knew his God. Real faith means we wait for the timing and we submit what we want to do to authority. Real faith, as I said, is prepared to wait. Very interesting. I love this verse. Uh, I suppose I have to, don't I? Because God wrote it. <laughs> In chapter 8, verse 13, it says, by the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark, and he saw the surface was dry. Yeah? By the 27th day of the second month, now how long is that? Is that 27 days, or is that 60 days, or are those Hebrew months, Leslie, do you know? But, but it's a span of time. It's not the same day. So it looked okay. It looked, we're ready to rock. It's dry. Let's go. Even though it looked like it was ready, 
he waited until God spoke to him. He still waited. As, as most of you have been bored to tears by knowing, we're having lots of work done on the house, and it's just a tip. It's really difficult. We're very tidy people. It really drives you bonkers. But if, if you're having a room built, we're not. If you're having a room built, and the men come in, they paint it, and they decorate it, and they plaster it, you don't go in 10 minutes later and put down the carpet and the curtains and everything and the doors because the doors will bow because the plaster's wet. The paintwork will get stuck on the carpet. The curtains will stink of paint. So it looks ready. It's ready. But you wait until the painter comes to you and says, you can go in there now. You might have two days of a beautiful room, but the windows are open to get the air through. It's the same with God. Lord, now, surely now's the timing. It's over. There's such a need. There's, I must get in there. Wait for God's timing. Okay. Is this all right? Are you still with me? Happy? You've got another hour and a half to the Grand Prix, so I will finish. (laughs) But real faith, you know I'm going to do this one. Real faith makes a priority of sacrifice and worship. They came off the ark. Now, you imagine what needed doing. I mean, we've got a lot of world here. We've got to fill it. We've got to feed it. We've got to grow. There was so much to do. But Noah, first thing he did, worship. First priority, worship. Those more enthusiastic amongst us, (laughs) we've got to remember that as things start happening, as we see growth... As the Lord increases us, not only in here, but numerically, stop and worship. Stop and give thanks. David bought the ark, didn't he, up to Jerusalem. It was every few paces they stopped and another bull died. <laughs> worship. Worship. If we grow, we want to see our cell groups grow, worship. We want to see the church grow, worship. We want to see people set free, worship. We want to see... The ministry and the art group grow. Worship. Want to see coffee and chaos increase? Take time to worship God. Not as a lucky charm, but it keeps our eyes focused on him, the one who gives life, the one who gives increase, the one who multiplies. Let's make worship absolute, top draw, bang priority. And as I said, he'd already made provision to sacrifice. And again, verse uh, 8 to 21, it says, and that the aroma was soothing to the Lord. It blessed God. Do you make sacrifices that bless God? Make a sacrifice. Do I make sacrifices? Give that money you can't really afford. Blesses God. Give time when you're just so tired. That blesses God. I moved from my seat on Sunday. That blesses God. I gave myself in worship, even though I didn't like the songs. That blesses God. I took care of a family member instead of going to hear this awesome Christian speaker. That blesses God. God sees our heart, you know. He sees our heart for good and for ill. He sees my little tricks and my little things, which I pretend I don't have. Lord, work on it so that my heart is right. God sees our sacrifices and it blesses him. And don't we want to bless God? And God can trust Men and women. He can trust men and women who make worship and sacrifice a priority.
Okay, we're well on our way now. Quick sip. Cheers. Nine verse one. Then God blessed Noah. People of real faith get blessed. Hallelujah. Come on, Louis. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> For those listening to tape, there's only two people in the room, so. But hallelujah. He again reinforced the covenant promises. You know, we live under the covenant promise of God because of what Jesus has done. It's just so utterly fantastic. And did you see what it said here? The Lord said, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth. The Lord wants Beacon not only to be fruitful, but he wants us to grow and he wants us to increase. This is the one where you're going to have to love me. I've really checked my heart on this, so I'll just just soften your heart. Just allow the Holy Spirit to soften your heart and just weigh what I'm going to say now. Because people of real faith, they don't live in the past. They don't remain in the past. 9 verse 20 says this, Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. What? Hang on a minute. A man of the soil? I thought he was a boat builder. Surely Noah's greatest success, sorry, the thing we know Noah up for. Noah, he built, built, he built, built boats. And yet the word of God says, Noah, a man of the soil. Bit bizarre. You see, Noah still had another 350 years to go. So he didn't have reminiscing sessions every day about the flood and how God spoke to him. He didn't become a consultant on living in refined spaces. Oh, I'd start my new business now. JPEF, go off, populate India. Thank you very much. I'm starting my consultancy on being in an enclosed space. He didn't do that. That part of his life was over, finished, and he moved on. Now, I'll be honest with you, this is one of the biggest flaws in my character. I love to live in the past. Every morning I sit down with my Bible, and there in my... On, on the bookcase, which Leslie's present to us for birthday. 70s music. The first thing I see alongside the numerous flags of Portugal. You see, I quite like to live in the past. And that's okay, because the music was better then. But, amen. That's true, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, but one of the flaws and weaknesses in my character is that by the grace of God, on two occasions I had a really just... Wonderfully precious encounter with the Lord. But it was like 25 years ago. And you remember when Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus was transfigured. You know, Moses, Elijah. I mean, it was just astonishing. And what did Peter want to do? We need to build tabernacles. Oh man, we need to hold this. We need to control this. We, We need to retain this. Jesus said no. Jesus walked away from that and moved on. All around the world... There are religious sites where people either had genuine or perceived they had genuine encounters. And now it's become a religious site. And I'm convicted that even wonderful things that I experienced in the charismatic in the 80s and the 90s, actually, they can just start pulling me back because I long for I long to go back to the Downs and Dales Bible Week. When we had grass under our feet, when John was on the drums, when Terry Virgo had hair, I long for those days. <laughs> You had to wait. You had to wait about seven weeks for the tape. This is a harvest time tip. 
happy days. Now I go in, there's 5,000 and there's a big screen and there's video and lights. There's even smoke. I'm thinking, Lord, come on. Don't these young people, wouldn't it do them good to go into a tent with grass? and you know, some, something, it, it does something in me. It reveals part of my heart. The problem is, I think God's moved on. He doesn't change, but God has moved on. That was right for then. I can't live on the Mount of Transfiguration. We can't live on the Mount of Transfiguration. We can't live in the fact that we were were obedient and we went in the ark. We have to move on to what God is doing. And God is doing something new. I don't know what it is, but and I'm convinced that we need I need to retain the knowledge and the experience, good and a lot of bad, from the past years. But it's time for me to not only live in the present, but actually to start believing God and to move into the future. If Beacon is going to change, I have to change. I would love to have six weeks of meetings where we just get together around the keyboard and spend three hours singing in tongues. I would love that, but that isn't what God's saying. But I'd love it. But it isn't what God's saying. God is doing something new. And I've got to make sure that my heart is right and say, okay, Lord, I don't get all this interactive video and I don't get it. You know, we've got people on Facebook who are contacting Steve from Coffee and Chaos to ask us to pray for their children. Isn't that wonderful? I don't see them knocking on the door on a Sunday saying, would you pray for my children? We have to adapt. We have to change. I'm finding that very difficult. And I guess many find it very difficult. But God is doing something and we, and we have to be relevant I have to change if we're going to grow. You know, we need wisdom because all this flashing lights and stuff, we need the Spirit of God. We need men of God. We need the Davids and Johns to have the checks and balances. Is this the Spirit of God or is it just the latest craze? But we're going we're to move on. You see, Noah was, what, 601 when he changed career? Not bad. Moses was, what, 100 when he went into the Promised Land? Uh, sorry, when, when, he led, when he led the children of Israel, Caleb was one of only two men that made the promised land, and he was, what, 85? Fred, how old are you, sir? He's only 80. And have you given up and stopped and that's it? Yeah. No. Fred and Iris are pressing on. They're praying. <laughs> They're praying. They, they want whatever God has got for them. And we know examples of, of, of people sort of in their 70s or 80s who God called to mission work, even, even in their old age. Age is not, absolutely not, a consideration in this thing. Well, okay, Julian, it's okay, you're young, quite bouncy. Well, I don't know about that. But age is irrelevant. If Caleb was 85, he said, I'm as strong now as I ever was. I'm going to take the land. That's by the Spirit of God. Because naturally, let's be honest, you know, especially with my knee, you don't feel like it. But God, what are you saying? Am I just going to live in this little world or Father, am I going to capture what you're saying and, and move into the new thing that you have? We need wisdom. We need wisdom with all of these things. But let's choose to embrace God's word today. It says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And uh, I think, well, I do harden my heart sometimes because I don't like some of the new stuff. But God is doing a new thing. A relevant thing. So, Father, please help us. May I be a Noah who is not a boat builder, but who is a gardener and a farmer.
So people of real faith work within their new circumstances. For Noah, sailing was no longer an option. You know, he had to farm. See, Lot's wife decided to look back. (laughs) And she didn't go any further, did she? The children of Israel, oh, those cucumbers. There's lots of cucumbers here this morning as well. In people's bags. (laughs) Grown in our garden. Oh, we long for the cucumbers of Egypt. Well, don't you remember the slavery? I love the 70s, but I tend to forget about the power cuts. <laughs> this was closed, that closed down, inflation was through the roof. But I think, yes, but Slade was so fantastic. <laughs> I loved T-Rex. But it was dark, could near them half the time because we had the power cuts. So I can long for the past, which actually wasn't that good. The Old Testament, again, is riddled with people who look backwards and they couldn't move in to the new things that God had for them. We have a creator God. It just came to me the other day and I thought, hang on a minute. He's a creator God, which means his nature is creativity. That means, um, I wrote this pencil. It means he expresses his character by movement, growth. Multiplication. If we're the people of God, we should be moving, growing, and multiplying by the Spirit of God. Not by Julian getting stirred up, but by the Spirit of God. Movement, growth, multiplication, increase. So we're coming to the end now. People of real faith make mistakes. Hallelujah. <laughs> In the Bible, don't you love the Bible? Isn't it great that it's real about people? I just love it. It says in, it says, you know, Noah was a man of the soil in 9 verse 20. And he planted a vineyard. Verse 21. And he grew lots of grapes and gave all the money to the poor. And the children danced around him and said, well done, Noah. doesn't say that. It said, he drank and he got hammered. He got blasted. He got drunk. Hang on, this, hang on, this is the man of God who's righteous, who's blameless. Uh, oh, hang on a minute, this, this, this obviously shouldn't be in the Bible. But it's reality. People of real faith can make mistakes. <laughs> I won't ask how many people have made the mistakes because I think I've made enough and probably will make more. But Noah got drunk. But that action revealed the hearts of the family around him. Friends, I say this with great love, but our leaders occasionally, maybe once in a blue moon, might make a teeny, itchy, weeny mistake, error of judgment. Might let you down, might disappoint you, upset you. But remember, there's only one thing God's interested in. He can deal with them. My heart, my reaction. He let me down. He he never phoned me. I've been really struggling with this headache this week. He never phoned me. No, no. God's looking at my reaction. God can deal with that. He's looking at my reaction. Do we seek to cover leaders or brothers and sisters, men and women of faith? Do we seek to cover them? I'm not getting involved in that conversation. Or, well, they've had a bad... Or do we go, nah, 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 nah. (laughs) Ham pointed out the mistake. See, Noah was a man of faith... But he got it wrong. We've, come on, we've all been there. We've all made mistakes. And when we come back, we say, Lord, I'm sorry. Don't you long? 
isn't the thing that that bugs you when you're washed up and driving, not the fact that your relationship with God isn't right, but you're worried about people in the cell group might be thinking about you? Is that only me? Or someone at church, they might be cross because they might have heard that I did that, even though I'm so sorry. We need to cover one another. We need to love one another. Speak well of one another. Yes, resolve issues, of course. But let's cover one another in love. Love covers a multitude of sins. And especially with leadership, we could go into Numbers 13 or whatever. It's critical that we, yes, we can discuss, yes, we can um, share if we have concerns, but criticism is very, very dangerous and can split, would split this church down the middle easily. And it won't be a big thing, it'll be a silly little thing, guaranteed. Won't be a big thing. How many of us have been in churches and we've seen the little thing that's caused absolute destruction and yeah, there you go, you see. So, Lord, keep us strong and keep my attitude towards John and David good. But people of real faith, have you, have you noticed, this is why the Bible gets a bit annoying, a bit annoying, okay. Because he made a mistake and it said he awoke from the wine and he knew what his son had done. Now, hang on, shouldn't it say he awoke from the wine and felt bad and spent half an hour trying to read his Bible and then felt guilty, so he phoned up the one person in the church that was going to be nice to him and then he felt really bad about it. Then he thought, well, I can't correct him because I was, did wrong last night. No, he was right before God. Yes, of course he addressed it, but he knew. If you have the anointing, if you have a prophetic insight, if you get it wrong and sin, that doesn't stop you're having a sense of what God's saying, which is why any gift like that must be honed and submitted and so forth. I hope I'm not losing folk here, but he came out of his stupor and he knew immediately what had done, what he'd done. Ham had been taken onto the boat. <laughs> he'd been saved from destruction. His wife had been saved from destruction. His brothers and his sisters-in-law had all been saved from destruction. His father and mother had been saved from destruction. He had had seen his father worshipping God and blameless and altar. This man had been exposed to all that is fantastic and good about charismatic Christianity, and yet still his heart wasn't right. It's the thing that could destroy us. It is the thing. I'd rather catch it. We have to be so careful that that we've been through all of this, and then one little thing, yeah, but, you know... mm. I need to be so careful because it's about the grace of God. Because of Jesus, because of his grace. If I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be here, but it's the grace of God. It's because of Jesus. Noah makes one mistake that we're told of and Ham starts pointing the finger. Oh, dear, 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 dear. But the other other two sons, hallelujah, two-thirds, did the right thing. They covered their father. They didn't get involved. They did the right thing. Let's be, let's be the two-thirds people that do the right thing. And finally, endless um, references to this, and I'll leave the notes there, so help yourself if you need some kindling. But real faith, people of real faith are part of a body. They are part of a people. They are joined to their brothers and sisters. Noah didn't go into the boat on his own. They couldn't have filled the earth if they'd just been the man. You had to have two without being two whatever. You know what I mean? So he didn't experience his Christian faith on his own. 
There is absolutely no place in the body of Christ for independence. It's about the kingdom of God. God loves us as individuals. He died for us as individuals. He died for my sin. And then he put us into a body. Nowhere did Jesus say, go off on your own, especially if you've got the ump with someone and do your own thing and I'll bless you. It's just not in the book. Remember, I have died and my life is now hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that fantastic? It's all about Jesus. It's not about my preferences. And it takes faith to die to self. I don't know if anyone recently has had this. You have to die to self. And I don't like that. People misunderstand or you get misquoted. It really hurts. But if I'm already dead, it shouldn't matter. But it does. So I need the Lord to continue to work on me. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. The world encourages us to be independent, but if we love and if we trust, really trust God, we'll see that he's put us into a family. I've got other things, but I'm just going to stop there. Thank you for your attention. I'm just going to pray, and then we can have a nice cup of coffee. Father, I want to thank you so much for my precious brothers and sisters, Lord. Father, I want to thank you that you have put us in a body, that you have put us in a family. And Jesus, we want you to be the centre of that family. Jesus, we want you to be just in the middle of everything. Father, I pray that, that you would water this word, Father, that where things have highlighted in people's hearts, that they would have the courage to do business with you. And that, Father, that we would increase in real faith, Lord. Father, thank you for your people. Father, I speak your richest blessing upon everyone in this body, those here and those who are at work and away and caring for family and whatever. Father, I pray you would richly bless us and that, Father, that you could trust us with more, that we would be a people who are fruitful and that would multiply and that you strengthen John and you strengthen David as they seek to lead us on. Father, that we would be a people after your own heart. For all of our shortcomings, we want to be your people, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're visiting, we have uh, tea and coffee just through the door there, which will be in a couple of minutes, and the you-know-whats are just through there as well. And uh, if anyone wants...